Today, guys, I want to want to talk a little bit about on, on uh, Palm Sunday. It's pretty rare um, that I preach the calendar, um, if you will. When we're talking about Easter and Good Fridays and Palm Sundays and all those kinds of things, I, I really like to just just preach what the Lord's laying on my heart. But um, the Lord laid this on my heart today, and uh, what significance Palm Sunday really is for us. You know, a lot of people. Um, a lot of people want to take Palm Sunday and, and uh, just kind of bypass it and get to Good Friday and get to Easter, you know, as the main event, which obviously that's what happened. But, but, but Jesus did something very significant on today, on Palm Sunday as we celebrate it. Um, but before we go on, um, anybody out here going to go buy some of those Satan shoes? No, I'm just playing. I'm totally teasing. Okay, everyone. <laughs> so I want everyone to know that there's a pair of new shoes that have been released by Nike. Um, that have 1% drop of human blood in the sole of the shoe. And uh, pretty cool, <laughs> not, right? So um, yeah, and, and, uh, but you know, don't dare go look for Dr. Seuss because that'd be awful of you to do that. And so I'm, I'm just saying that to say this, guys, there's nothing new under the sun, okay? Absolutely nothing new under the sun. This is not something that should trigger us. This is something that should motivate us for the kingdom of God. Our, our, our world has dealt with so many things, you know, pertaining to the occult and, you know, I mean, you can't tell me, I mean, no one can convince me anything differently to say that this isn't rampant in our nation, right? The celebration of death and destruction, the wrongs becoming right and the rights becoming wrongs. But here's the thing. God knew what was going to happen. None of this takes us by, by him by surprise, by surprise. Amen? Nothing takes him by surprise. You know, as a matter of fact, he knew it so much that he put you here on this earth to make a difference about it. Oh, come on, somebody. See, we, we, we want to we wanna sit back and complain about, I can't believe this will take place, and I can't believe this will happen, and rightly so. We should. We should have a voice about it. We should say all those things about it. But make no mistake about it. God has called you right here, right now, on this earth in 2021, March the 28th, to come and make a difference in the kingdom of God against the things that are happening. There is no plan B. This is you. You are the church. Oh man, I'm getting ahead of myself. In the next few weeks, I'm talking about the church and what it really means to be the church. This is it. But yet we, we resolve ourselves to Christianity to come just Christmas and Easter and think, did my religious duty. Listen to me. God has a different identity, a different purpose for you. And it's time that as the church and the people of God, if we call ourselves believers this morning, to start raising our standard to what he says in the word about us. To win souls, to make disciples. Freely you've received, so freely give of this thing called grace in our lives. Do you think the world cares about offending you? No, for real. Absolutely not. See, we get upset and mad about it, which again, rightfully we should. But sinners are doing what sinners do best, and that's sin. <laughs> right? The world is doing what the world does best, and that's being the world. But we don't have that mindset. Because if you are saved this morning, saved meaning if you've come to Jesus as your personal Savior today, to say, I need you, Jesus, you are not of this world. 
but greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world. Right? That's what your Bible says. And I think God's doing something to people that really truly believe in him and not just go to church to fulfill religious obligations, although I'm fine with that. I think it's great. You know, I think it's wonderful. I really do. I, I, I think it's awesome to have those spiritual disciplines in our lives and our hearts. But God is calling us to something greater, church, and that's where we have to come in. Because if not, then what we'll begin to see is we'll begin to see the destruction of what we call values in our country. And the only thing left for us to do is to rise up as the body of Christ and begin to not just hold the line, begin to push the line. We are not on the defense any longer. The Bible says this, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Most people want to take that verse and say, we're just going to be in our, in our own little sanctuary with us four and no more and just close the doors off because we can't allow the world to come into the church. Let me tell you something. That verse means we are offensive and not defensive. We are on the move that the gates of hell cannot prevail against what God is doing in our church. God is doing in you. Amen. Welcome to Palm Sunday. That's not what I'm preaching about right now, but I just feel into my heart to say this. Listen, stuff like this is only going to get worse, everybody. It's only going to get worse. Things that we hold dear to our hearts are going to be challenged. I see the Lord setting up scenarios as Elisha and the prophets of Baal once again. And if you don't know that story, it's in the Old Testament. You can ask me about it later. where God's gonna be proved one more time to reign superior. Amen? There's hope for us. There's hope for believers. There's hope for the church. There's hope for you. Right on? Right on. Matthew chapter 21, verse one through 11. I wanna read the story of Palm Sunday and the palm branches and the coats. The title of my message today is called Coats and Branches. There's something very spiritually significant to coats and branches that are, is very relevant for the year of 2021, of what's going on in our culture and what's happening in our lives currently right now. I believe that we are in the greatest position to see God move like we've never seen before. We're gonna make the book of Acts look dry compared to what God is going to do, right, in our time and in our place. I believe that with all of my heart to my very core because the greater the sin, the greater the power of God begins to move. Where, grace about, where sin abounds, grace abounds, what? Even more. There's nothing, nothing can defeat what God is doing. Nothing. I don't care. They could try. They could do whatever they want to do. Just like when Jesus was crucified, they thought, all of hell thought to themselves, we won. Game over. Jesus is dead. And what happened? On the third day, God rose up from the grave and he says, oh yeah, hey, I forgot to tell you, be right back. That's what happened. <laughs> Hashtag BRB. I don't know. Matthew's that's so lame, I know. Dad jokes. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethage in the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a coat with it. 
untie them and bring them, bring them to me. Jesus is advocating for stealing. No, I'm just fine. He's not. He's, he's actually prophesying right now what's happening. Verse three. And if anyone says anything to you, <laughs> this, is the, this is probably one of the funniest verses in the Bible I've ever read. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and he will send them on immediately. I mean, just imagine, just use that logic with your neighbor's truck, <laughs> right? Take the keys and just, oh, that's cool, man, the Lord needs it. <laughs> That'd be so epic, man. <laughs> oh, anyway, verse four. Now this took place so that what was spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Let me just stop right there and say this. This prophecy that we're about to read in verse five was actually given hundreds of years before this actually took place. Hundreds of years. And I wanna just encourage you today that if God has spoken a word to you, and if God has spoken a word over you, and you feel like you have a promise from the Lord that he's delivered to you, maybe personally, maybe someone came up to you and shared with you something, whatever, whatever the case is, if that's something that has been spoken to and, you, and, and you're losing hope because you're not seeing the fruition of those things beginning to take place, I wanna encourage you to hold on. Do not grow weary in well-doing. God will make it come to pass in your life. We may not see it exactly when we wanna see it, but God is on the move, working things behind the scenes that we don't know not of to set everything up. And before you know it, last minute, God's the God of last minutes. He comes in just like the fiery furnace when they got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God thrown into the fiery furnace. Where was Jesus? He was right there in the middle of them, the last minute. <laughs> you know, the cool thing about that story is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were never promised that Jesus was gonna show up in the fiery furnace. They just went because they knew there was something that had to be done. They just knew that they weren't gonna bow to the idol at the time they were supposed to bow. And they knew the circumstance and the consequence that was before them. But greater is he, again, who's in me than he that is in this world. And that was their stance on that day. Knowing full well that their consequence was death by fire. And then Jesus was in the middle of it. And I wanna encourage you today, watch this, that Jesus is in the middle of your fire right now with you. Amen? Amen? Verse five. This is the prophetic word that was given hundreds of years before this actually took place. It says, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their cloaks on them. And he sat on the cloaks. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks. I'm going to use the word coats here, um, as in other versions. Uh, spread their coats on the road, and the others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Now, the crowds going ahead of him who, and, and those who followed him were shouting. I want someone to shout this with me. Say, Hosanna. Hosanna. They were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. in the highest when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? Number one, let me just tell you that when Jesus comes to the city, it gets stirred. When Jesus comes to the city, 
But you know what really stirred the city? It wasn't that Jesus just came to the city. It's because the people were recognizing who Jesus was in the city. Because there was another time where Jesus went to a city where it didn't get stirred, and that was his hometown. He came out of that hometown and told his disciples, well, only a few miracles could happen in that place. Why? Because they did not identify and recognize him as royalty when he came in. There was a lack of honor in his hometown where he grew up. But here on this day, riding in on a donkey, no, not a Mustang, although that'd be sweet. Sorry, I just had this vision of a, me driving a McLaren. Of course, there'd only be one seat in there because that's all I could fit if I'm driving that sucker, right? When the people recognize Jesus, the city gets stirred. Let me just encourage you today with this, that in this church and in your personal lives and in your homes, when you begin to recognize and identify who Christ is inside of you, the people around you will begin to be stirred to know who the King of Kings is. Everyone wants a king like Jesus. Everyone does. They just don't know it yet. Those of you who come to first service, you know this is a completely different message. Right, BJ? (laughs) Verse 10. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? Verse 11. And the crowds were saying, this is Jesus the prophet, from Nazareth in Galilee. So there's two items here that I wanna just briefly talk about, the spiritual significance of these two items, the coats and the branches, and how they're relevant in today's world in 2021. How many of you guys have heard the term before, chivalry is dead? Okay, let me take a little poll here real quick, and let me just ask this question. For those of you who are married, um, or maybe you're dating, or whatever the case is, um, for those of you who are married, how many of you open the door still for your wife? Oh, look at that, so nice. Good job, people. How many of you still put gas in the car for your wife? Right? Not put gas in your tank for your wife. I'm not, I'm not talking about gas in your tank, if you know what I mean. I'm talking about gas and, no, okay, I'm moving on. All right, that's good, good job, guys. If you didn't raise your hand, step it up. We're not saying women can't put gas in their own tank. That's not what we're saying, obviously, right? But there's something about honor with that, Amen. right? So the people, when Jesus came into the city on, on a donkey or a colt, when, when he came into the city, it says that the people then begin to cast their cloaks or their coats on top of the donkey and underneath that donkey. Now, This signifies more than just something chivalrous that happened during that day. It wasn't like, oh, you know, we just, we don't want you to get dirty or whatever. No, what this really meant was, was there was a, there was a sign of respect and there was a sign of honor when somebody did this in that culture, right? And I, and I still think that that's still prevalent in today's world when we do that, when we open the door for our wives. I don't know. I've never personally laid my coat down for my wife, Right? I love her. I just can't take my coat off fast enough. That's the honest truth, right? (laughs) So here's the deal. 
But more than just respect and honor, the laying down coat was a significant and connected with Christ's triumphal entry. And really what that really meant was when people laid down their coats, it was more than just respect and honor. It was about submission paid to royalty. They were recognizing royalty just entered the city. They were identifying Christ as not just somebody who's, we, don't, we wanna make sure that he's comfortable or we wanna make sure that he's taken care of. They recognized and identified him as royalty. So therefore, their response to that royalty was to submit to that royalty by saying, here's what I have to give you. Here's what I have to give you. See, the only time that this is done in scripture, at least that I can find, is in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13. And this is what it says. Then they hurried, and each man took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps and blew the trumpet, saying, Jehu is king. Now, if you know the Old Testament, if you know some of the stories in the Old Testament, Jehu was the king who killed and defeated Jezebel. Jezebel was somebody who was very, we'll get to what all this means here in a second, okay? But Jezebel was a, was, was, was a person that was very divisive. Um, sedu- uh, seduction was kind of like the main course that she portrayed. Um, all these kinds of things, right? This is what Je- Jezebel was. And she actually, I'll just read what I have here. The wi- she was a wife of Ahab. And Jezebel led Israel astray and tried to kill Elijah. Everyone tracking with me? Where we're at? See, on that day, when Jesus was identified as royalty and the people paid their submission to royalty by casting their cloaks, just like in the Old Testament, when they laid their cloaks before Jehu on the steps, my question is, was not Christ riding into Jerusalem to do the same thing? on that day as they recognized him. Not necessarily to kill Jezebel, but to destroy what that Jezebel spirit meant. Now, if you roll around in the charismatic circles, right, mostly charismatic, you hear people say this all the time. That person is a Jezebel. They carry such a Jezebel spirit. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? And really what they're saying is that they can't get along with that person. So instantly they say, you're bad, you're wrong. And they take on this like, the person saying this takes on this like this prideful arrogance about themselves, thinking that they have it all together, but that other person doesn't. So therefore you're an old Jezzy, right? You're such a Jezebel. Listen, let me just, if, if that's you today and you think you're better than someone else because of your spiritual walk with God and you think you carry around this elitism because you can hear God clear, let me just tell you something. Maybe you're part of the problem and not the solution for what's going on. Because I don't know about you, God does not reward those who are proud, but yet gives gifts to the humble. Come on, somebody. Right, because what happens a lot of the times in our Christian walks with the Lord and in our, in our churches across America today is we all want to know this deep, deep down revelation and we don't want to share that with anybody because we think we got it all together. Let me just tell you something. You are portraying Christ in a very absolute wrong way and stop it. Amen. I don't know who needs to hear that. 
Just thought I should say it. So Jezebel, here's the definition of Jezebel in the Old Testament. Jezebel means demonic influence that causes disunity. Jezebel means deception, seduction, murder, iniquity, sexual promiscuity, and lies. That's what Jezebel means. So in our circles that we run with, when someone says, you're such a Jezebel, you carry the spirit of Jezebel. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't exist. Hear what I'm saying. I'm just saying sometimes us as believers want to throw that around flippantly because we don't like someone or we think we're better than them. What we're really saying is you're a demonic influence that causes disunity. See, on that triumphal day, when Jesus was recognized as authority, he was identified as the king, as royalty. Hear what I'm saying. On that day, he bore the spirit of disunity. He put it upon himself as a coat for himself, as a coat of honor to say, this is what I'm taking to the cross with me. This is what I'm taking to the cross with me. He put on himself deception. He put on himself seduction. He put on himself murder. He put on himself iniquity. He put on himself sexual promiscuity. He put on himself lies. And he took all of those things right to the cross, never again for you and I to ever have to deal with those again. Why? Because the Bible says that he became sin. He didn't just take the sin. He became sin. So therefore, in Colossians, it says this, once and for all, all of sin was destroyed in one day. In one day. Let me tell you, folks, believers this morning, that is you. You identify with the resurrected king. You identify with somebody who has destroyed the works of the enemy already in your life. See, and if we as believers understand this and live in this, this thing of, we have this idea that, that I'm, I'm just fine or we remain in this place of false humility and we agree with what this spirit brings. Like, like this, for instance, you know, Pastor Jake, I'm totally cool because, you know, everything's fine with me. I don't need no help. I totally get God. We're on good grounds. But yet you hate somebody in your life and you have not yet forgiven them. You know what the Bible calls that? The Bible, unforgiveness, according to the word of God, means you cannot hate your brother or sister and still say you love someone. It doesn't work. The Bible actually calls that murder. Jesus put it like this. You say you have anger in your heart towards your brother, but you have murder in your heart. Oh, Pastor Jake, I would never, I would never, I would never be, I would never have an affair. I would never turn my back on my wife and do that. But yet, maybe some of you entertain thoughts in your mind that are sexual about someone else, about something you saw or whatever the case is. Come on, I'm speaking language this morning. This is real life stuff. Let me just tell you, when we entertain those things in our heart, they become, they become part of us. What we've done is we've actually committed adultery in our heart. We've agreed with what Jesus took on the cross 
with him, we actually say, no, I want that back for my life. Listen, you are more than an overcomer in Christ. You are more than an overcomer in Christ. Point to somebody right now next to you and say, you are more than an overcomer in Christ. Come on, tell somebody next to you, you are more than an overcomer in Christ. Why is that important to say that? Because when you repeat, it reveals. Repetition leads to revelation. You are an overcomer in Christ. Not because of what you do, not because of who you are, not because you read your Bible more than everybody and you pray. No, it's only because of Christ and what he did for us on the cross. That's it. You don't get special treatment. I don't get special treatment. We're all in the same boat on this one, baby. It's interesting to me how believers lower the standard of the word and get tied up in things that Jesus already defeated. And we all do it. Every single one of us does it. Every stinking single one of us does it. Not Pastor Jake. I'm going to hit on this one more time because it's burning in my heart and I don't know why. Hear me. I don't know why. I'm not thinking of any individuals. I just feel like I gotta say this. No, Pastor Jake, I don't do that. I'm not, I'm not like that. And all of a sudden this elitism and this arrogance begins to build in your heart. It's maybe time to come to Jesus and repent of that attitude and begin to realize that without Christ, without Christ, without him, we are nothing but dust. That's what your Bible says, not mine. Well, my Bible says it too, because we read the same one, hopefully. Branches. Get your coats, recognizing as royalty. The branches, the people in that day cut down branches to lay before Jesus. And this is a fun thing, because only John specifies that these were palm branches in the book of John. John is the only one in the, in, the, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that signifies that the branches that were cut down were actually palm branches. And it's interesting because John also wrote the book of Revelation. See, John, before he became identified as John the Revelator, he was actually called John the Beloved. Right? That's how Jesus marked him. You're John the Beloved. John was the only one at the cross when Jesus died. John was the only one that laid his head on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. John was the only one. Jesus had 12. Then there was three that he confided in. And then there was one, and that was John. John was that homie. You know what I mean? Was that guy the one that Jesus could always come to and share the secrets of the kingdom because John was called the beloved. That's the reason why that John wrote the book of Revelation because Jesus knew and understood that I can trust John because he loves me. I can trust him with the revelation that is for the end of the world. See, that just says to me that when you understand and when I understand that I need to love him more than anything else, that's when he begins to tell us his secrets for our hearts and our lives. 
Actually, John specified these as palm branches because in Revelation chapter seven, verse nine through 10, it says, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe and people languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. See, John portrays the triumphal entry in Jerusalem as a picture of what happens in the heavenly Jerusalem, if you will. In the heavenly Jerusalem, John sees with his spiritual eyes, the Lord opens up his eyes and says, this is what it's gonna be like in heaven, Johnny boy. This is what it's gonna be like. This is what it's gonna look like. With people waving branches, or better yet, people waving their palms to the Lord. Shouting unto God, worshiping him, always for eternity. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Is what you and I as believers, if we're saved here today and we know that we're on our way to heaven, guess what? That is our eternal confidence and rest that we get to be in heaven and worship him forever. Who's ready for that? See, but better yet, what John did that day and what Jesus did that day and what they did that day by waving the palm branches was actually a prophetic act of what heaven's gonna be like. Jesus prayed this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, come on, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me just encourage you today. Why wait to get to heaven? Why not take the opportunity now to practice what heaven's going to be like? Come on, I don't think you heard me. Why do we have to wait to finally be in a place where it's just, oh, we're floating around in clouds and whatever, right? And then we're just there and we're like, oh yes, it's just gonna worship. No, God's prayer was for heaven to be, for earth to be like heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Guess what that means? That means you and I have the opportunity to worship Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and have the culture of heaven right here on this earth. That's what it means. John saw it. Jesus prayed it on earth as it is in heaven. So I don't know about you. I'm not waiting until I get there. That's why when we take the opportunity to worship up here, I'm the first one out of the chute, baby. Out of the gate. I'm sorry, shoot. Sorry. It's an animal term, but it's also a football term. Okay? When you're an offensive lineman, they put you through shoots. So you can stay low, all right? If you lift your head up, you get dinged in the head by a bar. That's how it works. And you gotta be fast off the ball. I'm just ready for the Vikings to beat the Packers again. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I know, keep dreaming. Yes, Lord, out on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so. When we worship the Lord here, what we're doing is we're just mimicking what heaven's gonna be like. Amen. Amen. 
The only difference is, is that here on this earth, you have trouble. In heaven, we won't. Here on earth, we gotta worry about the bill we gotta pay. When we get home sitting on our counter, in heaven, you won't. You'll have a mansion, paid off. <laughs> right? But let me just take it a step further. Why should the troubles of this world dictate how you're gonna live in this world? Come on, somebody. Why should the troubles of this culture, of what's happening, of the world around us, why should we allow this to tell us how we're gonna worship God right now? Because it ain't gonna happen, baby. I'm ready to give it a shout unto heaven so the whole world can hear that Jesus Christ and salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen? One more thing. You can play some music and I'm done. Another interesting thing about the palm branches was that also, it was also a call back to the Feast of Booths. Now I'm gonna just give you a little bit of Jewish history. I'm, I'm not a Jewish scholar, okay? I had to look this up, but I just found it so, so important to what's happening today. See, the Feast of Booths is a feast de designated to remind Israel of God's guidance out of Egypt. And today, in the Jewish world, they celebrate the Feast of Booths. Okay, you guys with me? And in every observance of the Feast of Booths, the people, the people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, would according to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 40, I'm gonna read it. This is what the people would do. They would take on the first day the fruit of the splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and this is what they did. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. See, at the triumphal entry, Christ was celebrated as the one who would bring his people out of captivity and slavery of sin, the spiritual Egypt, if you will. Jesus was welcomed by the same sign of palm branches and shouts of rejoicing. Listen to this. And a new feast of booths was initiated on this day. Before, it was identifying and recognizing what God had brought them out of Egypt. On this day, when Jesus entered into the city and it was stirred, and the people threw their cloaks at him and began to wave their palm branches, a new era took place. Something new was initiated, a new feast of booth, a recognition of Jesus, you are the one who's gonna lead us out of my spiritual Egypt, out of slavery, out of destruction, out of oppression, out of depression. You are the victorious one who will bring us out of that. See, the new Feast of Booths also lasted seven days. And according to Jewish customs, we have to remember that Jews counted part of the day as a whole. This is why Christ was crucified on Good Friday, listen, and he rose again on Sunday. Yet these days were regarded as three days. The new Feast of Booths lasted seven days from the triumphal entry to Saturday, the day after Good Friday. But what happened on the eighth day 
was in the Feast of Booths, the eighth day, according to Leviticus, shall be a solemn day of rest. In the new Feast of Booths that Christ initiated on, on Palm Sunday, Christ rose from the grave, securing eternal rest for all of his people. On this day, Palm Sunday is more than just a time where Jesus prepped going to the cross. It's a time where a new era was set in motion. And on that day, on Palm Sunday, today as we look back and we celebrate, today we celebrate the newness that Christ brought for us. And I even vouch to say here this morning as I close. there's people here, you're going to remember 2021 as the day something new happened in your life. Whether they be the most practical thing, you had a baby, hallelujah. Something new happened with your job. Something new took place. If you don't know, you haven't been here for a long time, we always, at the beginning of the year, we ask God, God, which direction are you taking us? What would you like to speak to us? Some people go by resolutions for the new year. We actually go by revelations. So we call it our new year's revelation. Resolutions, you have to have strength and you have to go fight for. Revelations come from you, right? Our new year's revelation this year is actually called new era. Where we believe that God's gonna take our church and do something new with it and begin. And we're gonna look back 10 years from now and go, it was 2021 where the new began, where the new started, where the new began. There's new for your life. There's new for your life, amen? There's new for you. I'm not here just to hype you up and make you feel good about yourself. What I want us to understand after we leave today is this, that on this day, as we get ready to celebrate Good Friday and Easter and all these things that we just are geared for, don't forget what God did on this day. He was recognized as authority, as royalty. He was recognized as the one who brought all of the junk and sin with him to the cross. He was identified as that. He was also identified as the one whom we get to worship and have that same kind of atmosphere atmosphere here on earth. But he's also the one who began the new motion in our lives. Amen? Father, I just pray this morning that Jesus, may we not grow spiritually tired. May we not grow spiritually hopeless. But Father, like you gave John the revelator of what was to come, help us, Father, to see the new next, what you have for us. Holy Spirit, I just ask and I pray here this morning that you begin to invade our hearts 
As Jesus today, we recognize you as royalty, but royalty that leads to submission to you. Father, help us to submit to you. No matter where we're at in our walk with you, Father, it doesn't matter where it's at. Help us to submit to you. You're an awesome God, and we love you, Jesus. I'm gonna ask one simple question here today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just wanna how you respond to this. I only do this, not for religious sakes, but so that way you can have a little time personally with God, right, in your seat. And I just wanna ask this very, very serious question. If you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you've never said to him before, forgive me my sin, Father. I recognize that I need you in my life. And today I wanna do that. If that's you, and you're like, you know what, Pastor? Will you pray for me, man? I want to give myself to Jesus today. I want to start a new journey in my life. If that's you, we just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down. Anybody here is one. Anybody else? There's two. Thank you. Anyone else? It says, that's me, Pastor. Just pray for me, man. Don't worry. I'm not going to embarrass you. Is that you this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just pray this together, if you will, with me. Just repeat this after me, especially if you raise your hands today. Father, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Today, I want to make you Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me and receiving me. You will always be a good God to me. In Jesus' name, amen.